Chapter Twenty of Ormond by Maria Edgeworth. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Bruce Peary. New circumstances arose which unexpectedly changed the course of our hero's mind. There was a certain Lady Millicent, whose name Lady Norton had read from her memorandum book among the list of guests expected at Castle Hermitage sir ulic as ormond recollected had pronounced her to be a charming elegant fascinating creature sir ulic's praise was sometimes exaggerated and often lavished from party motives or given half in jest and half in earnest against his conscience but when he did speak sincerely no man's taste or judgment as to female beauty manners and character could be more safely trusted he was sincere in all he said of lady millicent's appearance and manners but as to the rest he did not think himself bound to tell all he knew about her her ladyship arrived at castle hermitage ormond saw her and thought that his guardian had not in the least exaggerated as to her beauty grace or elegance she was a very young widow still in mourning for her husband a gallant officer who had fallen the preceding year at a siege in flanders lady millicent as lady norton said had not recovered and she feared never would recover from the shock her health had received at the time of her husband's death this account interested ormond exceedingly for the young widow there was something peculiarly engaging in the pensive softness and modesty of her manner it appeared free from affectation far from making any display of her feelings she seemed as much as possible to repress them and to endeavour to be cheerful that she might not damp the gaiety of others her natural disposition lady norton said was very sprightly and however passive and subdued she might appear at present she was of a high independent spirit that would on any great occasion think and act for itself better and better each trait suited ormond's character more and more his own observation confirmed the high opinion which the praises of her friend tended to inspire ormond was particularly pleased with the indulgent manner in which lady millicent spoke of her own sex she was free from that propensity to detraction which had so disgusted him in his last love even of those by whom as it had been hinted to him she had been hardly treated she spoke with gentleness and candour recollecting miss lardner's assertion that lady anneley had used lady millicent barbarously he purposely mentioned lady anneley to hear what she would say lady anneley said she is a most respectable woman she has her prejudices who is there that has not it is unfortunate for me that she has been prepossessed against me she is one of my nearest connections by marriage one to whom i might have looked in difficulty and distress one of the few persons whose assistance and interference i would willingly have accepted and would even have stooped to ask but unhappily i can tell you no more said she checking herself it is every way an unfortunate affair and added she after a deep sigh the most unfortunate part of it is that it is my own fault that ormond could hardly believe and whether it were or not 
whatever the unfortunate affair might be the candour the gentleness with which she spoke even when her feelings were obviously touched and warm interested him deeply in her favour he had heard that the annelies were just returning to ireland and he determined to go as soon as possible to see them he hoped they would come to castle hermitage and that this coolness might be made up meantime the more he saw of lady millicent the more he was charmed with her sir ulic was much engaged with various business in the mornings and lady norton lady millicent and ormond spent their time together walking driving in the sociable or boating on the lake they were continually together lady norton a very good kind of well-bred little woman was a non-entity in conversation but she never interrupted it nor laid the slightest restraint on any one by her presence which indeed was usually forgotten by ormond his conversation with lady millicent generally took a sentimental turn she did not always speak sense but she talked elegant nonsense with a sweet persuasive voice and eloquent eyes hers was a kind of exalted sentimental morality referring everything to feeling and to the notion of sacrifice rather than to a sense of duty principle or reason she was all for sensibility and enthusiasm enthusiasm in particular with her there was no virtue without it acting from the hope of making yourself or others happy or from any view of utility was acting merely from low selfish motives her point of virtue was so high that ordinary mortals might well console themselves by perceiving the impossibility of ever reaching it exalted to the clouds she managed matters as she pleased there and made charming confusion when she condescended to return to earth and attempted to define no not to define definitions were death to her imagination but to describe her notions she was nearly unintelligible she declared however that she understood herself perfectly well and ormond deceived by eloquence of which he was a passionate admirer thought that he understood when he only felt her ideas of virtue were carried to such extremes that they touched the opposite vices in truth there was nothing to prevent them for the line between right and wrong that line which should be strongly marked was effaced so delicately had sentiment shaded off its boundaries these female metaphysics this character of exalted imagination and sensitive softness was not quite so cheap and common some years ago as it has lately become the consequences to which it practically leads were not then fully foreseen and understood at all times a man experienced in female character who had any knowledge of the world even supposing he had no skill in metaphysics would easily have seen to what all this tends and where it usually terminates and such a man would never have thought of marrying lady millicent but ormond was inexperienced the whole matter and manner 
was new to him he was struck with the delicacy and sensibility of the fair sophist and with all that was ingenious and plausible in the doctrine instead of being alarmed by its dangerous tendency it should be observed in justice to lady millicent that she was perfectly sincere if we may use the expression of good faith in absurdities she did not use this sentimental sophistry as it has since been too often employed by many to veil from themselves the criminality of passion or to mask the deformity of vice there was perhaps the more immediate hazard of her erring from ignorance and rashness but there was also in her youth and innocence a chance that she might instinctively start back the moment she should see the precipice one evening sir ulic was talking of lord chesterfield's letters a book at that time much in vogue but which the good sense and virtue of england soon cast into disrepute and which in spite of the charms of wit and style in spite of many sparkling and some valuable observations mixed with its corruption has since sunk fortunately for the nation almost into oblivion but when these private letters were first published and when my lord who now appears so stiff and awkward was in the fashion of the day there was no withstanding it the book was a manual of education with the vain hope of getting cheaply second-hand knowledge of the world it was read universally by every young man entering life from the nobleman's son while his hair was powdering to the prentice thumbing it surreptitiously behind the counter sir ulic o'shane of course recommended it to his ward to lady millicent's credit she inveighed against it with honest indignation what said sir ulic smiling you are shocked at the idea of lord chesterfield's advising his pupil at paris to prefer a reputable affair with a married woman to a disreputable intrigue with an opera girl well i believe you are right as an englishwoman my dear lady millicent and i am clear at all events that you are right as a woman to blush so eloquently with virtuous indignation lady annely herself could not have spoken and looked the thing better so i was just thinking said ormond only the difference harry between a young and an elderly woman said sir ulic truths divine come mended from the lips of youth and beauty his compliment was lost upon lady millicent at the first mention of lady annely's name she had sighed deeply and had fallen into reverie and ormond as he looked at her fell into raptures at the tender expression of her countenance sir ulic tapped him on the shoulder and drawing him a little on one side take care of your heart young man whispered he no serious attachment here remember i warn you lady norton joined them and nothing more was said take care of my heart thought ormond why should i guard it against such a woman what better can i do with it than offer it to such a woman a thought had crossed ormond's mind which recurred at this instant from the great admiration sir ulic expressed for lady millicent and the constant attention more than gallant 
tender attention which sir ulic paid her ormond was persuaded that but for that half of the broken chain of matrimony which still encumbered him whom it could not bind sir ulic would be very glad to offer lady millicent not only his heart but his hand suspecting this partiality and imagining a latent jealousy ormond did not quite like to consult his guardian about his own sentiments and proceedings he wished previously to consult his impartial and most safe friend dr cambray but dr cambray had been absent from home ever since the arrival of lady millicent the doctor and his family had been on a visit to a relation at a distance ormond impatient for their return had every day questioned the curate and at last in reply to his regular question of when do you expect the doctor sir he heard the glad tidings of we expect him to-morrow or next day sir positively the next day ormond who was now master of a very elegant phaeton and beautiful grey horses and having for some time been under the tuition of that knowing whip tom darrell could now drive to admiration prevailed upon lady millicent to trust herself with him in his phaeton sir ulic came up just as ormond had handed lady millicent into the carriage and pressing on his ward's shoulder said have you the reins safe yes that's well remember now harry ormond said he with a look which gave a double meaning to his words remember i charge you the warning i gave you last night drive carefully pray young man look before you no rashness young horses these added he patting the horses pray be careful harry ormond promised to be very careful and drove off i suppose thought he my guardian must have some good reason for this reiterated caution i will not let her see my sentiments till i know his reasons besides as dr cambray returns to-morrow i can wait another day accordingly though not without putting considerable restraint upon himself ormond talked of the beauties of nature and of indifferent matters the conversation rather flagged and sometimes on her ladyship's side as well as on his he fancied that she was more reserved than usual and a little embarrassed he exerted himself to entertain her that was but common civility he succeeded was pleased to see her spirits rise and her embarrassment wear off when she revived her manner was this day so peculiarly engaging and the tones of her voice so soft and winning that it required all ormond's resolution to refrain from declaring his passion now for the first time he conceived a hope that he might make himself agreeable to her that he might in time soothe her grief and restore her to happiness her expressions were all delicately careful to imply nothing but friendship but a woman's friendship insensibly leads to love as they were returning home after a delightful drive they entered upon this subject so favourable to the nice casuistry of sentiment and to the enthusiastic eloquence of passion when at an opening in the road 
a carriage crossed them so suddenly that ormond had but just time to pull up his horses dr cambray i declare the very man i wished to see the doctor whose countenance had been full of affectionate pleasure at the first sight of his young friend changed when he saw who was in the phaeton with him the doctor looked panic-struck lady millicent dr cambray ormond began the introduction but each bowing said in a constrained voice i have the honour of knowing i have the pleasure of being acquainted the pleasure and honour seemed to be painful and embarrassing to both don't let us detain you said the doctor but i hope mr ormond you will let me see you as soon as you can at vickersdale you would not doubt that my dear doctor said ormond if you knew how impatient i have been for your return i will be with you before you are all out of the carriage the sooner the better said the doctor the sooner the better echoed the friendly voices of mrs cambray and her daughter ormond drove on but from this moment till they reached castle hermitage no more agreeable conversation passed between him and his fair companion it was all constrained i was not aware that dr cambray had the honour of being acquainted with lady millicent said ormond oh yes i had the pleasure some time ago replied lady millicent when he was in dublin not lately i was a great favourite of his once once and always i should have thought dr cambray's a most amiable respectable man said her ladyship he must be a great acquisition in this neighbourhood a good clergyman is valuable everywhere in ireland most especially where the spirit of conciliation is much wanted tis unknown how much a good clergyman may do in ireland very true certainly so with a repetition of truisms interspersed with reflections on the state of ireland tithes and the education of the poor they reached castle hermitage lady millicent you look pale said sir ulic as he handed her out oh no i have had a most delightful drive harry just stayed to say that dr cambray was returned and that he must run to see him and off he went he found the doctor in his study well my dear doctor said ormond in breathless consternation what is the matter nothing i hope said the doctor looking earnestly in ormond's face and yet your countenance tells me that my fears are well founded what is it you fear sir the lady who was in the phaeton with you lady millicent i fear why should you fear sir oh tell me at once what do you know of her at once then i know her to be a very imprudent though hope she is still an innocent woman innocent repeated ormond good heavens is it possible that there can be any doubt imprudent my dear doctor perhaps you have been misinformed all i know on the subject is this said dr cambray during lord millicent's absence on service a gentleman of high rank and gallantry paid assiduous attention to lady millicent her relation and friend lady annerley advised her to break off all intercourse with this gentleman in such a decided manner as to silence scandal 
lady millicent followed but half the advice of her friend she discountenanced the public attentions of her admirer but she took opportunities of meeting him at private parties lady annalee again interfered lady millicent was offended but the death of her husband saved her from farther danger and opened her eyes to the views of a man who thought her no longer worthy his pursuit when he might have her for life ormond saw that there was no resource for him but immediately to quit castle hermitage therefore the moment he returned he informed sir ulic of his determination pointing out to him the impropriety of his remaining in the society of lady millicent when his opinion of her character and the sentiments which had so strongly influenced his behaviour were irrevocably changed this was an unexpected blow upon sir ulic he had his private reasons for wishing to detain ormond at castle hermitage till he was of age to dissipate his mind by amusement and variety and to obtain over it an habitual guidance ormond proposed immediately to visit the continent by the time he should arrive at paris dora would be settled there and he should be introduced into the best company the subtle sir ulic perceiving that ormond must change his quarters advised him to see something of his own country before he went abroad in the course of a few days various letters of recommendation were procured for him from sir ulic and his connections and what was of still more consequence from dr cambray and his friends during this interval ormond once more visited the black islands scenes which recalled a thousand tender and a few embittering recollections he was greeted with heartfelt affection by many of the inhabitants of the island with whom he had passed some of his boyish days of some scenes he had to be ashamed but of others he was justly proud and from every tongue he heard the delightful praises of his departed friend and benefactor his little farm had been well managed during his absence the trees he had planted began to make some appearance and upon the whole his visit to the black islands revived his generous feelings and refreshed those traces of early virtue which had been engraven on his heart at castle hermitage everything had been prepared for his departure and upon visiting his excellent friend at the vicarage he found the whole family heartily interested in his welfare and ready to assist him by letters of introduction to the best people in every part of ireland which ormond intended to visit End of chapter twenty